0: This episode is brought to you by Playapod, the best cross-platform podcast app for iOS and Android. Just visit Playapod.com and download for free. This is The Gem on the Queen's Crown. A podcast talking about Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Here's the host, Lee W. Mowen. It's episode 37 and you're listening to the only podcast talking Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, the IR Radio app, Stitcher, TuneIn, Acast, CastBox, RadioLine, Spreaker, Podbean, Podchaser, PodcastPup, PocketCast, Overcast.fm, Player.fm, BeyondPod, ListenNotes, Podbay.fm, RadioPublic, Podable, and now on RadioYo, AudioBurst, and hopefully, Playapod. So two weeks since my last episode, the Logo episode, if you remember, and going back and thinking about it, I thought that episode sucked. Now, of course, I don't know about any other podcasters, because, you know, I don't really talk to other podcasters, but I feel like there's always that episode, you feel like there's always something missing. I love all the interviews that I've done, well couple in the beginning had terrible sound quality, which, you know, wasn't great, but the actual episode itself was really nice, whereas I felt like I just flopped on the logo one. I had this all planned out. I had an outline planned out. I wanted to focus on local logos and names, and it turned out I didn't do anything close to that, so... Maybe one day I'll redo it. Like, have a better episode talking logos. I don't know, though. Also, notice that I ran through all the available platforms that this podcast is on. It's mainly just to make sure that all of them are still active. Like, I spent about 30 minutes this morning making sure that everything... ...that I say on the intro and outro is still active and it hasn't kicked me out for some reason. So there's that if you're wondering why you heard the old the old uh, intro. So two weeks since the episode, what's happened to this podcaster? Well, uh, we had a family emergency. Don't really want to get into that, but uh, thoughts and prayers are appreciated. Also, there is a GoFundMe page... If you feel like being generous, it is quite appreciated. And also, other than the family emergency, I've just... If you saw my tweet on Twitter about how I'm feeling lately, its uh, it hasn't been the greatest time. Or a good time, even if you want to go that far. But, yeah, I every chance that I got to do the podcast, I just look and I'm, I don't know, I'm just kind of down about it because I thought by now, you know, I'd be a little bit bigger and a little more popular because, let's face it, around here, you know, people talking Dayton sports isn't, isn't exactly, you know, the most spread out topic and, you know, adding Cincinnati to the mix, you know, figure I get a bigger audience by now, but... So, yeah, I I haven't looked forward to doing an episode. But I'm forcing myself this morning before work, which by the way, I'm handing out to Wright State for softball, as the Raiders look to take the doubleheader from Youngstown State who's currently trailing the Raiders for second place, right behind first place UIC. So if you feel like coming out, it starts at 1 p.m. on the 25th of April. So if you're listening to this before that, or after that, then uh, don't come out unless there's a game that day. There we go. That's why it's taken two weeks to get back into the swing of things. So, you have to be thinking, two weeks... There's got to be a lot of sports that happened between then and now. Well, you're darn tootin'. We had a manager change down in Cincinnati. We started a season in Dayton, Ohio. Single-A affiliate of the Cincinnati Reds, of course, the Dayton Dragons. College baseball and softball still going strong. Next month is the wind-down month where... You play your last regular season games and head to the conference tournament. One team in town looking very good to host the tournament on campus, so I'm very, very excited for that. And there is a team in town that's had a 16-game winning streak. So we'll dive into everything. There's a no-hitter thrown. I was involved in something very cool. And... Also, there is a deal in Cincinnati for a possibly MLS soccer stadium. So let's go ahead and jump into all of that. First off, we'll start with Wright State Sports, mainly because, like I mentioned this morning, after the podcast is uploaded, i am in straight out to be the PA announcer for Wright State Softball versus Youngstown State. So... We'll talk about baseball first. The Raiders are coming off a series win at Oakland, not Oakland, California. That's Oakland, Michigan, home of the Golden Grizzlies. And before Oakland became a Division I school, the Pioneers. So the Oakland Golden Grizzlies and the Wright State Raiders played each other at Michigan. Raiders came out with two big wins, fell in the second game 6-4. to four. The Raiders had 14 runs in the first three innings for the series-deciding game. Raiders have yet to drop a series on the season. They have one sweep under the belt, and that was against Youngstown State, who was tied for first with the Raiders. I believe that was coming into that series, and Wright State swept the Penguins at Nishwitz Stadium. The Raiders still have series at Milwaukee and at Youngstown State, the at YSU series is this weekend. And the Raiders still host UIC and Northern Kentucky. The Horizon League having six teams in for college baseball, which is the minimum amount a conference can have for an automatic bid to the Big Dance. Now, of course, you always hear the rumors, well, maybe you don't, but if you follow Wright State and Horizon League, you hear rumors that they're going to add schools. Fort Wayne's been a hot one to add. I mean, fairly big media market, very close to Wright State, and trying to think, where would they be closer to? Detroit, Oakland. They're not too far away from Detroit. So Fort Wayne's been a popular school to mention mixing in. Also IUPUI. I can't believe I forgot that, but that would be in Indiana-Purdue rivalry as both schools are operated by Indiana and Purdue on a joint type of agreement. I think it's uh, Fort Wayne, which is what their athletics are called, but the campus is still IPFW. I feel like Indiana runs the the medical side, and everything else is Purdue. That might be IUPUI, and I might have that totally wrong, but it's not Cincinnati Dayton sports. That's not the big thing. What is the big thing is Wright State has yet to drop a series in Horizon League play. Milwaukee's in second place. UIC was in fifth place, and has now risen up to third. The Panthers and the Flames putting up some winning streaks. And you have Oakland, Youngstown State, and Northern Kentucky rounding up the bottom of the horizon league. So Wright State right now, like I mentioned, just a couple of losses in Horizon League play. Raiders twenty five and thirteen overall and thirteen and five in conference play. Now, Milwaukee has six losses right behind the Raiders, but only nine wins. That's because, was it UIC Milwaukee or Oakland Milwaukee? There was a series that was supposed to be at Milwaukee, and it couldn't happen because terrible weather. You know, you've been living around this area. You've known about the terrible weather. I feel like March was the worst March we've had just because of all the rain and snow, and we couldn't get any games. There was like two weeks where I didn't work. And announce, I feel like. Right State is in the driver's seat to host the Horizon League tournament. Which, in case you're interested, when, when that would be. It's at the end of May. Starting on Wednesday, May 23rd. And the championship round would be Saturday, May 26th. At noon. And if necessary, at 4. To determine the champion. And all these games are hosted by the number one seed. If the season ended today, it would be number one Wright State. And all these games are on ESPN+, Plus, which is kind of like a pay-per-month type of thing where you can watch a lot of sports. And also the USL, which we'll get to in a little bit. So baseball doing exceptionally well at Wright State. We now look at softball who's also rattling off a good Horizon League year. With last night's 5-2 to two loss at home to Youngstown State, the Raiders are now tied for third with Oakland at 8-6. and six. The Raiders took two out of two at Oakland. And in college softball in the Horizon League, since there are all but one schools participating in the sport, Milwaukee the only one that isn't, you only have a series with... A conference foe, meaning in Horizon League for college baseball, you're at one place and then you get to host them and, you know, vice versa. And it's not like, you know, you see the same opponent twice in a row. The Raiders, eight and six, have lost five in a row and that's stemming from a doubleheader sweep in the hands at Miami U and at home against Moorhead State. Raiders looking to rebound and hand the Penguins some losses. Youngstown State 10 and 6 in second place, 20 and 20 overall, and winners of five in a row behind the 11 and 3 UIC Flames, 22 and 17 overall. Is UIC like I mentioned? Raiders tied for third in conference with 8 and 6. Oakland Golden Grizzlies 14 22. Wright State 14 26. Behind the Raiders and the Grizz are Detroit Mercy and the Titans, 6-7, 11-24. IEPY, Green Bay, Norfolk, Kentucky, and Cleveland State round up the bottom four. Just like baseball, number one gets to host it. Right now, that'd be UIC in Chicago. Raiders head to UIC this weekend, which is weird. I was talking to one of the softball players about this while we were working Reds Futures which I'll talk about in a little bit, but you're playing Youngstown State during the week. Raiders had the weekend off. Youngstown State comes in Tuesday, Wednesday, then you pack it up, head to Chicago, Friday, and Saturday, I believe. I don't know. I don't make the schedule. I don't claim to know how to make schedules. Just throwing that out there in case you cared So the Raiders have a couple more games at home. Softball wraps up a little quicker than baseball does. The Raiders still have the DH versus Youngstown State today at UIC. And to close up the season, there will be a three-game pack against the Cleveland State Vikings. If I remember the standings just a minute ago. The Vikings are in last place. That's May 4th, May 5th. May 4th's game, a single game at 4, and a DH on the 5th at 1 and 3. So come out, see Wright State softball at the WSU Softball Stadium, right on the corner of Raider Road and University Boulevard, right by 844. And very cheap tickets to get in. Come out and see your Raiders play baseball and play softball. Now we swing over from Wright State over to the University of Dayton, where the Flyers just completed a six to three win against the Ohio Bobcats. Good win by Jordan Conk's, the right hand pitcher going seven innings strong, striking out six. And the Bobcats took the lead, but the Flyers scored six unanswered runs. Ohio would put two on in the ninth to close the gap, but the Flyers went it 6-3 yesterday. A good non-conference win for the Flyers, as now they'll take the long trip to Virginia to take on the Richmond Spiders. So now we'll tell you about the standings in the A-10. The Flyers looking up towards that Last spot in the A-10 tournament. Not everyone goes to the tournament for A-10 baseball. Your top seven do. So right now it's St. Louis on top, 11-1. and one. The Billikins normally have a very good program. This year, no exception. They're 25-14. and 14. Right behind the Billikins, VCU and Davidson. The Flyers still have to go to Davidson. I believe that's the last series on the regular season. George Washington eight and four. The Colonials took two of three from UD at Warner Field. Fordham seven and five. George Mason seven and five. Richmond six and six. And that's your cutoff between who makes the tournament and who doesn't. Rhode Island six and nine. Flyers tied with LaSalle four and eight. Saint Joseph's and St. Bonaventure four and nine. And UMass at four and eleven. That's your look at the A-10 standings in baseball. The Flyers, just a couple more home games to go. A three-game pack with the University of Rhode Island mid-May, I believe. And also two non-conference tilts against Bowling Green and Toledo. In fact, while I was signing off to tell everyone about the next home game, I realized it's not till May the 8th. It's a pretty long time. So the Flyers will be on the road for a little while. In fact, they're on the road today at Fort Wayne, a 3 o'clock game in Indiana. And then it's off to Richmond, Virginia. It's off to the Bronx to take on the Fordhams. And then back home to take on Bowling Green. Going up to see Eastern Michigan hosting Rhode Island for the last A-10 series at home. And then hosting Toledo on the 15th of May to close out the home portion of 2018 at Davidson. If the Flyers play the cards right, they'll be in the Atlantic 10 Championship, which will be held at Barcroft Park in Arlington, Virginia, May 23rd through May 26th. That's Flyers baseball for you. And I must say, being the PA voice of both Division One baseball teams in town, it's... Really, really cool to think about, actually. You get to see both sides of the rivalry, you get to see both sides of the coin. And it is nice to have both jobs. We look at Flyers Softball, who's twenty three and twenty overall, but twelve and five in the Atlantic ten. I get the standings pulled up here. You're listening to episode number 37 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, where we're recapping last few weeks and talking about spring sports. UMass leads the A10 in softball, a perfect 16 0 record for the Minute Women. Fordham 15 1, Dayton 12 5. That's your 1 2 3 punch. George Mason nine and eight. George Washington eight and nine. St. Louis seven and eight. St. Joseph's five and ten. LaSalle three and eleven. Rhode Island three and twelve. St. Bonaventure one and fifteen. Standings in A ten softball. The Flyers have Akron at home today. And i will start at two o'clock. That's a DH a get out the regular season. Today is supposed to be the last home games of the season for the Flyers. UD has trips to George Mason in Fairfax and Rhode Island in Kingston, Rhode Island. And then it's off to Bronx, New York for the Bahashi Softball Complex. That's the home of the A-10 championship. And that will be May the 9th through May the 12th. Like I mentioned, softball... Starts about a week earlier. Some schools started about the same time college baseball did. And it ends about two weeks before baseball hits their conference tournaments. That covers Wright State and Dayton. Now we look at Sinclair Baseball. Head coach Steve Denteman and his Tartan Pride have put together a 28-8 and record. And in conference, 12-2. and and a 16-game winning streak. Very impressive for Coach Dinneman and the Tartan Pride. They'll be home today for a single contest against the JV squad of the University of Charleston before hosting two doubleheaders against Clark State Community College this Friday and this Saturday. And that will be the last home series of the year for SCC. They'll be at Eastern Gateway Community College. That's in Steubenville, Ohio. That's the first time I heard of Eastern Gateway Community College, but it makes sense because if you think about it, Steubenville. I believe it's Steubenville. I hope I'm not mixing up with Strongsville. But Steubenville's right on the border between Ohio and Pennsylvania, maybe West Virginia, and Gateway. Yeah, my I don't know why I'm bringing that up. But the Tartan Pride close out the year... At Mercyhurst Northeast. Again, that's the first time I've heard of that. So congrats go out to Sinclair Baseball. 16-game winning streak. That's impressive. Now we'll look at Sinclair Softball to be complete. The Tartan Pride Softball team, 21-9. And 5-3 and in conference play. They dropped their last game, 7-6 to Lakeland. Taking one of two from Lakeland. They swept Cuyahoga Community College. And they'll be at home this Thursday. I'm looking at the schedule. So tomorrow they'll... It says on the schedule they'll take on Edison and then Wilmington College JV. At the same time, too. That's impressive. That has to be an error of sorts so they'll be at home the Tartan Pride softball team will be at home tomorrow against either Edison or Wilmington College JV if you see the neon green colors with the WC logo that's Wilmington although that could be the old jerseys that Wilmington wore, I don't know and if you see Chargers logo that's Edison or as Mark Schlemmer always calls it the light bulbs I shake my head Mark Schlemmer By the way, Mark Schlemmer, sounding quite awesome on Wing AM. You can catch his show along with former WWSU sports director Justin Kenner, 3-6, 14-10 AM. And now we look at the Dayton Dragons. We'll start off with the Dragons. Dragons have done much better on the season compared to the Cincinnati Reds, but then again, that's not saying much. Did you hear the Reds actually have a winning streak going on? Two in a row. Blew a four-run lead in the top of the ninth, but, you know, you'll take what you get. Dragons have dropped the first two of four in Lansing. Last night, a 7 nothing decision for the Lugnuts. And the night before that, Lansing got rough on Hunter Green. Spotted eight runs in the first two innings against the Dragons. Dayton made a good comeback of it, but Lansing held on to win. So, two wins in a row for the Lugnuts. The Dragons have now dropped four straight. It's having a nine-game winning streak. And we'll tell you the next home game is this weekend at 5th-3rd field. If you're around the Dayton area, you can watch it on CW, which should be 26, or whatever your cable or satellite provider has it on, maybe 13. I don't know all the numbers. It's on CW. You can watch them there. And if you're there at Fifth Third Field, say hi to me. I, you know, in the booth next to the radio room. West Michigan leads the Midwest League East, eleven and four. The Whitecaps, Lansing, eleven and six, one game behind. Dayton, two and a half back, and one and a half out of a playoff spot in the Midwest League. You can either win your half or be second for a wild card. And if you clinch the spot in the first half in the playoffs, you don't clinch, you know, like a double spot. It'll be the top two teams in that second half. Dayton's two and a half back, nine and seven now are the Dragons. They have lost four in a row. Bowling Green, ten and nine. They took three of the first four from the Dragons. Two at their place, one in Dayton. Lake County 8 and 8, South Bend 7 and 9, Fort Wayne 7 and 12 and Great Lakes is 4 and 12. Dayton was supposed to play at Great Lakes for their second road series, but it turned out that it was a snowy weekend and a terrible time to play ball. So that whole series got snowed out. So Dragons, this team looks very promising. Three catchers and most of it's a most of the games are designate hitter and catcher combo duo. Uh, Clementina having a hot bat, batting over 400 in the season. There's also cools Vary. Earlier in the season, it was Colvol's Vary. We were trying to pronounce that in the official scorer's room, and that was a fun time. And Morgan Lofstrom played the last three regular season games last year on the Dragons Fell to Fort Wayne in the what was it, Eastern Division semifinals? Yeah, I guess that would be. We'll take a look at the west side of the Midwest League. Clinton leads all eleven and four. Lumber Kings having a good year. And a seven game streak. And that was snapped last night, I believe. Maybe the night before. Cedar Rapids eight and four. Kane County nine and seven. Beloit seven and six. Burlington eight and eight. Longwood with Peoria. Quad City six and ten. Wisconsin four and fourteen. I'll tell you, the upcoming home series, it's against the 10 caps of Fort Wayne. Dragons looking for some revenge after dropping 2 of 3 in Indiana. Like I mentioned, Saturday and Sunday, those games will be on television in the Dayton area. Again, that's the CW channel 26. Might be 13, might be a different number. I don't know. You don't have the same cable as me, do you? You might, but find it. It's on Dayton CW. There we go. After waiting about two hours, okay, maybe not that long, but after waiting a little bit, I can tell you that Fort Wayne is indeed the last series of April for the Dragons. Swinging over to May, Dayton will hit the road for the first two series against Western Division opponents. In the Midwest League, it is similar to what interleague play used to be, whereas you play these teams once, and if you're not hosting them, you don't see them, unless you go on the long road trip. Most of the Western teams start off in Illinois, and they go as far as Iowa, and as far north as Wisconsin. The Dragons have Burlington, Iowa on the roadmap, and then a swing over to Clinton, Iowa. I mentioned the Bees and the Lumber Kings. And then Dayton will host Cedar Rapids and Peoria before ending interleague play for the half and then heading back up to Lansing for another four game pack. Lansing's always had the Dragons number. and, and Lansing's the Toronto Blue Jays single A affiliate. Always well, seems like Lansing knows how to play Dayton. I mean, they're they're always a strong club. That and West Michigan Whitecaps and the lognuts always seem to be the top two muscle flexers in the East Division. Great Lakes will come into town. Hopefully, no snow mid May 18th, 19th, and 20th. Lake County a four game swing again. And then to close out the month of May, Dragons will be at Bowling Green for four and hosting West Michigan before that homestand ends in June against Lansing. And then on my birthday, Tuesday, June the 5th, the Dragons will be at Lake County. So now we'll talk about the Reds. You know about the horrendous start. I know about the horrendous start because most of my... Friends on Twitter talk about the Reds, mention how 3-18 is unacceptable, and I totally agree. So, you saw that Brian Price got canned as the manager of the Reds, very classy, after a couple days thanked everyone. Brian Price wasn't the main problem with the Reds, but he certainly wasn't the cure-all fix for a World Series ticket the Reds got rid of him and also Mac Jenkins, the pitching coach, which I don't know what was worse, pitching or hitting. But actually I'll pull up the statement from former manager Brian Price. Like I mentioned, I felt it was very classy. Went 279 and 387, which is a winning percentage of 419 since 2014, becoming the manager in Cincinnati. And I was wrong. It was three and fifteen. Start. I thought it was three and eighteen. Jim Riggleman is the interim manager. There's been talks about who's going to step in to become the, you know, full time manager. I don't think Riggleman's the answer either. But what do I know? I'm just a guy holding a blue snowball microphone in my hand and talking local Sunday sports. There's a lot of people that want Barry Larkin. As manager of the Reds. And I think Ken Brew. On WLW said it best. Why would you want. A Cincinnati treasure. Get booed like that. And get canned. Why do you want to put that on him? I feel like. You don't want to do that. I mean. Larkin has a tiny bit of experience managing. He managed the. Brazil team. I'm going to say World Cup. I know that's not true. But. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about a couple years back. But other than that, none. Would it be cool to see Larkin back in Cincinnati? Of course it would. Part of the Reds, you bet. But you're willing to put someone so highly regarded in Cincinnati as the top spot managing the Reds? I don't know. Joe Girardi's name's been thrown a couple times, and then people will throw back that he's waiting on the St. Louis Cardinals job to open up. That'd be a solid pick, in my opinion. Lou Pinella, he suffered that stroke, what was it, last year? This spring? I mean... Farrell got hired as a scout for the Reds. I believe. I don't know, he has... A job with the Reds, but he's also, you know, Sunday Night Baseball commentator on ESPN. But we're going back to the statement issued by Brian Price, and this is from MLB.com. I got it from Reds.com. So, and also M underscore Sheldon on Twitter posted this as well. It is with tremendous gratitude and appreciation for the eight-plus years spent as a member of the Cincinnati Reds organization that I bid adieu to so many wonderful friends and coworkers. I wish Jim Riggleman great success as he takes the reins of the club and send a heartfelt thank you to a cherished group of players, coaches, trainers, and clubhouse family that stay connected, work tirelessly together, and who collectively face challenging times head-on. Also, if you don't know, Brian Price was the pitching manager of the Reds the last few years of Dusty Baker's reign in Cincinnati. Hence, you know, why Brian Price was hired in as the manager of the Reds. Is a very classy statement, didn't issue a press conference. It closes out with saying, My wife Judy and I are grateful for our years in Cincinnati and for the outpouring of friendship and support offered through our time in the Queen City. My best wishes to the Cincinnati Reds and to everyone in Reds country. Like I said, very classy. And it's tough to see someone lose their job as someone that is having tremendous trouble finding a job. You don't want to see people lose their job, but a change was needed voice, a new voice need to shake things up and so far the Reds, like I mentioned, have had a two game winning streak, one had to go into extra innings last night, I think 12 and what was it, Shebler with the game winning home run walk off home run so we'll see how the Riggleman Reds do throughout 2018, Mark Schlemmer again brought up a Pretty interesting point on Facebook. Has there ever been a time where two managers got chucked out of an organization? I don't know. I honestly don't know. After getting swept at St. Louis, four to two, four to three, and nine to two. The Reds have taken down Atlanta at home ten to four, nine to seven. And tonight, the twenty fifth, at Cincinnati, Atlanta again. The Bob Ross ticket package. Theme ticket required as I see on... go to Reds.com. It says MLB.com my address on Google Chrome but just go to Reds.com. Bob Ross ticket package. You can see on Twitter if you follow Reds see a lot of them put on the Bob Ross fro and start painting. That's pretty cool but hey. And then one more game against Atlanta tomorrow afternoon, twelve thirty-five, And then it will be Cincinnati at Minnesota for the... I believe that's their first series, their interleague series. And yes, it is. Before coming home to host the Milwaukee Brewers. Tough start for Cincinnati, to say the least. As a fan, you hope that things get turned around... But every time that I get a chance, Reds game's on in the car, and during commercials, Dragons game gets flipped in there too. So, even though the Reds are now, what, 5-18? F- and 18, I'll still listen to them as the season goes on. It's nothing like Marty Brennan calling a game on radio, in my honest opinion. That, to me, is part of summer. So now we talk about FC Cincinnati. And as you heard, the West End deal is agreed upon. Nothing is official until FC Cincinnati gets the okay from MOS. But a West End stadium is a nice place. I feel like with it being off of Ezra Charles, just off 75, and very close to downtown, right by Taft High School. I feel like that's a nice place for FC Cincinnati to start roots. The FC Cincinnati organization will will pay the exact amount of taxes. That was the big thing between Cincinnati Public Schools. Once FC Cincinnati agreed to that, I feel like CPS was okay with that. This year, the club set another USL attendance record at 25,667 when FC Cincinnati fell to rival Louisville City FC. Home is Nippert Stadium at the moment, also home of UC Football. I'm excited. I'm really excited to see what's going to happen with the West End spot and also what's going to happen with this news. Also, if you haven't heard, if FC Cincinnati does make the jump to MLS, there'll be Fussball. That little weird hairpin curl that's supposed to be, I think, double S in German. FC Cincinnati wants to dive into the German roots of Cincinnati. Or as the sign of traders were once said Cincinnati or maybe some people say Cincinnati I don't know I don't know a lot of people FC Cincinnati on the year they play in the USL which is now division 2 pretty decent year thus far for FC Cincinnati a couple of road wins on the season currently 2-0 and 1 that's two wins and a draw on the road Picked up wins at Charleston and Indianapolis against the Indy 11 at Lucas Oil Stadium. It was weird to see the pitch of Lucas Oil being used for football and not football. You still saw the Colts 2D helmet, which I think is the greatest logo for any team. I love the Bengals 2D helmet look. Indianapolis was on one end of the pitch, and the other end it was painted green, That would have been the end end zone where it said Colts. FC Cincinnati is 0-1-1 at home thus far. I mentioned the 1-0 loss to Louisville City FC. 2-2 draw against the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, who recently done an upgrade on their logo, and this is a very sharp logo for the Riverhounds. Next up for FC Cincinnati, this Saturday, They'll be in Canada to take on the Ottawa Fury FC, which I'm I'm thinking PDL, but I was confused because I thought Canada soccer teams weren't allowed to play in United States soccer leagues. And here's Ottawa Fury FC. Also, there's I think there's Montreal too, or my if I'm I'm thinking Vancouver too. I could just look down here and see. And I'm not seeing it. Okay, never mind that. Next home match, by the way, will be May the 5th. That's a Saturday against Atlanta United FC2. You can tell it's number two because they have a two on their logo. Wow. There was a funny picture. I hopefully liked it, and hopefully you saw it on my timeline, which is twitter.com slash in case you're interested in such things. Someone photoshopped a giant foosball table on the side of where the stadium would be built. Right now it's the home of Stargell Stadium, home of Cincinnati Public Schools Sports. Stargell would be moved, in quotes, moved over to an empty lot south and west of where the stadium would be built. And it would go on when the field wasn't, in use so there's no postponements or hey go play over here we're building type of thing. Also there is open cup schedule too well for the first game. FC Cincinnati on May sixteenth at home actually this is gonna be at Gettler Stadium, home of UC soccer. FC Cincinnati will take on either Detroit City FC or the Michigan Bucks. Michigan Bucks in the PDL, one of the stronger teams, also a team that plays indoors, but since the dimensions are the same as outdoors, I don't think that matters. Probably helps with the weather, now that I think about it. But then again, PDL really doesn't start until late May. Detroit City, one of the top teams in the NPSL, great rivalry, Northern Guard, probably one of the best supporters groups out there. And you remember from, what was it, episode 35 with the Gem City Squadron mentioning how much GCS really likes Northern Guard. So that's a hat tip to both Michigan and Detroit City. And the season doesn't end until October 13th. That's regular season. since Cincinnati will be in Nashville against Nashville SC. Last home game, September 29th against Indy 11, in case you were curious about such things. So we talked a little bit about Wright State, Dayton, Sinclair, Cincinnati Reds, Dayton Dragons, FC Cincinnati. I want to talk about something that I was involved in, and that's the Reds High School Future Showcase. Sponsored by Skyline Chili. And what it is, it is a month-long tournament, 108 schools in 55 games, 55 MVPs named. And those MVPs on the May 6th game, Cincinnati versus Miami, they will get a custom-engraved Louisville Slugger bat with their name, with the Reds Futures logo, and they're honored on the field before the Reds take on Miami, which is really, really cool. I get to announce for the Wright State games. This year I've done five of six. The only reason why I couldn't do the six is because the softball game was during the baseball doubleheader. It was a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to see these local kids get a chance to play at Wright State. Nishwood Stadium, since going to turf, I mean, you can host a lot of games on that field. And a lot of games you will see at Nishwood Stadium, especially during the summer when there's traveling tournaments and everything. Going back to the schedule on Reds.com or MLB.com slash Reds, just go to Reds.com, for goodness sake. All the teams that get to play in the tournament, they have a pregame parade before the MVPs are introduced. That's 108 teams around here. Now, some schools have both softball and baseball in the tournament. Northmont had softball, and then they got to see Northmont baseball that day the next day, I should say. This is the first time that Wright State got to host softball games because the lights over WSU Softball Stadium, that certainly helps, and you certainly have a chance to play nighttime games, which doesn't happen as often as you think, but maybe in the future, who knows. Again, that is the 6th, And it's not mentioned on here on Reds.com. But take my word for it. I believe it still goes on until May the 6th. Actually, no. The last out is April 28th. Now I'm thinking about it. So, yeah. May the 6th. If you want to go watch great high school students, high school teams, high school kids march with the Reds, I definitely recommend it. It's a lot of fun and a lot of great games. Last game was Beaver Creek taking on Miamisburg, and the Beavers won that 8-4. Previous, it was Centerville knocking off Northmont four to three in ten innings. Man, hell, I'll never forget that. It was ruled a triple by catcher Riley Poulton. Hits off the right hand of the right fielder's glove goes all the way to the track, and a throw is offline, allowing the runner to score from third. It's just one at-bat. I think it might have been the second pitch of that at-bat, and we're just looking at it, just like, what just happened? It's a lot of fun. It's great to see so many of the local kids play. And some of these kids, I don't know if it's because of Red's Futures, get to have a shot showcasing their stuff you know, for the coaches. I mean, I think, what was it? I guess it would be two years ago since he's a redshirt freshman, but Quincy Hamilton of the Raiders was the leadoff batter against the Centerville Elks. Well, for the Centerville Elks. I forget who they were taking on. It might have been Beaver Creek, actually. I have my scorebook in my car and I don't feel like going downstairs to get it, but... Yeah, there's some some of these athletes that I see at Reds Futures. They go on to play D one ball. I saw Trayvon Thunderberg on the roster of the Ohio Bobcats. He didn't get to play, and he hasn't pitched. He was a pitcher and outfielder. I think he's being used just as an outfielder this year for OU. Which, by the way, that brings up the point that I saw Ryan Romick. As the volunteer assistant of Ohio U, he was the pitching coach for Flyers the Flyers past few seasons. I got to know him a little bit. So I went to Doug out and said hi. It was pretty neat. It's pretty neat to see. But going back to the original point, you see these kids play and you, it, it's tremendous to be a part of. And I, I hope next year there's a lot more games at Wright State and I hope I get to do them again next season. The first Baseball doubleheader was Piqua and Tip closing out the night. It was 14 to 1 Red Devils over the Piqua Indians. And before that it was Monroe taking down Franklin by a margin of 10 to 4. Monroe got off to a hot start putting 5 runs on the board against the Wildcats, led 9 to 1 after 3 and won 10 to 4 on the contest. And also with announcing these games, I also picked the MVP. Like I talk about it with the man guy that runs at a right state. And we talk about it there was a couple of ones that were like, do we really want to pick that one? There was a couple that were you know, similar lines. And I think we gave it to a couple pitchers we've done that past few years. Which, you know, it's funny, they get a custom bat when they threw a great game. But you know, hey, you still get a custom bat. This is a nice Louisville slugger bat too. Like I mentioned, it's custom, it's engraved, and you get it for playing the best. So being part of the Reds Futures High School showcase to me is probably the coolest feeling that the coolest thing I've done in announcing. I don't know if they'll ever give me the PAC seed in Cincinnati Reds. I don't think they have the power to do that, but still. Being a part of the organization, it's it's pretty cool. Like I mentioned, it still goes on. Actually, the last game looks like it's Coleraine-Loveland for you Cincinnati peeps. And it's May 5th at 1 at Loveland High School, Cardinals versus the Tigers. Some of the games are being postponed, especially yesterday. It looks like the Kentucky games. This is Northern Kentucky, Cincinnati area, and a little part of Dayton. That's that's what's represented in the Reds High School Showcase. Like I said, it's an honor to be a part of it. If you like to follow on Twitter to follow how they do, it is Reds HS Showcase. And maybe next year, when you follow them, you'll have a foot up. Because all you have to do is just tweet feeling good skyline time. You might win a gift card. Oh, I'm not supposed to say that out loud. Maybe it's changed. It was changed from last game. You'll never know. Just going through the timeline of Red's HS Showcase. This is Don Johnson Field. I don't know if this is Presco Field and Mason. Looks like it, but I don't think it is. See the MVPs being honored, they get pictures taken. It's really cool to be a part of it. So, I talk a little bit about the Reds Futures High School Showcase. And lastly, there was a no hitter that I saw near my hometown, and a relative of mine somehow. I, (laughs) it's bad that, you know, my last name's Mowen, everyone thinks it's Mowen, it's not. You know, it's not that common of a last name, unless you're around the Preble County area, even then it's not. So I, I don't know how I'm related to any of my family, except my immediate family. I mean, come on, let's, let's not, let's not be silly here. So, Back a couple of days ago, Annika Gels of Eaton Eagles softball threw a no-hitter against Oakwood. Eaton won in five innings, 13 to nothing. And her catcher was Becca Mowen, who's related to, or actually the daughter of Eddie Mowen. And he's the, I think he's still the sports editor at Registered Herald in Eaton. And maybe a future podcast guest. intent, Hopefully. Apparently he's my cousin. He's not my uncle like I thought it was. I like I said local Sunday sports. I know a lot my family. Nah. So this is back on April the 5th. It's a perfect game. It's a perfect game on April 5th against Oakwood. That's the 13 nothing win against the Lumberjills. And the next day, another no-hitter turned in. 16-3, to Eaton beat Oakwood. And in high schools around here, it's one home game, and then you go to the other place and vice versa. And JV has the mirrored schedule, whereas, you know, let's say Eaton's at home. Well, JV's at Oakwood and vice versa, you know. that's That's how schedules work. So, congrats go out to Annika Joes and also Becca Mowen and the Eaton Eagles softball team for a perfect game and no-hitter thrown back-to-back days. Very impressive stuff. And I think that will do it for episode 37. Caught up with a lot of spring things happening in the Sinday area, the only podcast talking Sinday sports. So, what's coming up in the podcast? Well... I mentioned I like to get Eddie Mowen on here, the sports editor at Registered Herald, talk Preble County sports. I thought about asking Jesus Jimenez. He's a sports writer, sports editor now, at the Palladium Item in Richmond, Indiana. Richmond is part of the Miami Valley, therefore it's still local Sunday sports. If you disagree with me, well, you can do that, but it's my podcast. You can make your own podcast saying, Lee W. Mowen sucks. I'd probably rate it five on iTunes, but probably not. I've been thinking about asking Chuck Gaybringer for an interview. He's the author of Hockey in Dayton. It's a great book if you haven't bought it yet. It's been out for a couple of years though. Uh hopefully I'll get Chuck on the podcast soon. I know I've talked to him, but then you know, life life happened, things you know, things were thrown off kilter for a little bit. Also, I've been thinking about interviewing a couple of big Twitter names out there, and this would be Cincinnati versus Cincinnati, Dayton versus the world type of thing. Get it, get an outsider's view of you know our world of sports. I don't know when that'll be. I know I I asked one of them a couple months ago, and he probably thought I forgot or don't want him now. But that's not the case. It's just I I suck at life, pretty much. So hopefully that will happen soon. I'd like to get Mark Schlemmer back on talk how his show's going because Mark helped me out growing the podcast the one for him. I don't know if there was that many people actually know about me or the podcast. And I I don't know. I don't know what will be happening in the future of the podcast. I still want to do it. And it should go back to a weekly release starting next week. So 38. We'll see what happens from there. And if you're still listening to this, fans, uh, I'd like to ask you for a favor. Please review my podcast on iTunes. Doesn't have to be five stars. Well, actually, it help. I, I've now done 37 of these, and I've yet to receive a review. Give me an honest review, and you know what? Give me some constructive criticism. What do you want to hear? Of a podcast talking Cincinnati Dayton sports. And don't say Ohio State because I'm not going to do that. It's not Cincinnati or Dayton. If there's a Cincinnati or Dayton player that goes to OSU and does great things, okay, fine. That's different. But this isn't for Ohio State. There's millions of other podcasts talking Buckeye stuff. I'm not one of them. I'm here to talk about Cincinnati Dayton sports because this is the area I lived in all my life. And I feel like it's underappreciated. And it's time to put the appreciation back in this area. So, yeah, reviews on iTunes. That would be nice. And don't one star because I told you I'm not going to do Ohio State Sports. Thank you. That will do it for episode 37 of The Gem on the Queen's Crown. You can follow me on Twitter, The Lee W. Mallon. Give the Facebook page a like, It's The Gem on the Queen's Crown. And also follow the Twitter of the podcast, Gem on Queen Crown. And that will do it. Episode 37 in the books. This episode is brought to you by Playapod. The best cross-platform podcast app for iOS and Android. Just visit Playapod.com and download for free. Thank you for listening to the Gem on the Queen's Crown. Follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, the iHeartRadio app, Tune in, Stitcher, PocketCast, ACast, RadioPublic, Anchor.fm, RadioLine, Player.fm, Spreaker, Podbean, Podchaser, Overcast.fm, BeyondPod, Podbank.fm, and listen notes by searching Gem in the Queen's Crown. Like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown, and follow on Twitter, at Gem on Queen Crown. Follow the host on Twitter and Facebook at TheLeeWMowen. Visit TheLeeWMowen.com and GemCitySports.com. Music provided by (laughs) FreestockMusic.com.